let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Welcome to Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. I am Andrew Jordan. Hey guys, it's Emily. And we're really excited to have our new friends, Zach and Krista, from the Scripture Study Project here with us as our guests. That came out a little fumbly, but we're, ha- we're excited to have you guys here with us. We're glad to be here. Yeah, excited to be here. Um, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and your family a little bit and what you guys do with your podcast? Okay. Yeah, we have a podcast as well, like you said. So we co-host together, same as um, what Andrew and Emily do here. So this will be fun to be on here um, doing this with you guys. Yeah, we Um, have a lot of other guests who are like husband-wife duos like this. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was thinking that too. Kind of fun. Um, Anyway, we have four kids. Um, Our oldest is nine down to a three-year-old. So we stay busy with lots of energy and lots of fun and craziness. Most, mostly with a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but they're all a little crazy. But no, it's it's really fun. Um, we live in Utah, and we Zach is a teacher, and I stay home with the kids and have a few side projects that I that I do, including the podcast and a few other things. So we stay busy. We just. Yeah. Anything you want to say, Zach? Oh, it's our, we do a, we, oh yeah. We have a passion for, for scriptures. We're a scripture podcast. And, um, when we first started, Krista wanted me to just do it on my own. Um, but I feel really awkward just talking on my own and she's much more social <laughs> and socially capable than I am. And so that's where the genesis of a husband and wife podcast team began. So yeah, that's awesome. How did that discussion happen? Like when you guys were talking about starting the podcast? I think it was, well, actually, I remember we were out on a walk and Zach was telling me, so he teaches religion and he was telling me about a lesson that he was teaching. And it's always been a shared because I studied um, teaching in college and he's a teacher now. And we just have always been really into teaching. And of course, we like the scriptures. So we have always talked about that a lot. And anyway, he was sharing something that he was going to be teaching. And I just thought... I, the thought just came to me like, people would love to hear this. We should, we should do a podcast or what I actually said was you should you do should a podcast. Do <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it was later that day where it was kind of just this, you know, passing thought. And then later that day he was like, I think I would do a podcast, but you would have to do it with me. And I was like, no way. But here we are. <laughs> almost, let's see, we've done two whole years, almost two and a half years yeah. of a podcast. So, wow. and you guys know the work that takes. So, mm-hmm. We're actually yeah. pretty proud of ourselves. Yeah, yeah it's it. a long time to be committed to it too. Yeah. I know. That's awesome. I love the fact that like, I love those moments where you are talking to your spouse. You're like, hey, like maybe we should do this thing. And then like the next thing you know, like you're actually doing it. And so like something's been created that wouldn't have been created if you and your spouse hadn't had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's been really fun. And we had talked about with a few of our neighbors, like multiple times, like, oh, we should do some sort of a, a Bible study or, you know, come together and do something, but with schedules, you know, it just never really happened. And so we thought, Hey, this is kind of a way where we can study with other people and connect to people over scriptures. And, 
that just sounded fun to us. And we thought it was, would be a lot of work to actually meet in person for a Bible study. Come to find out podcasts are a lot of work too, but, <laughs> yes, but we've are. loved yeah. the chance that, I mean, we've connected with a lot of people through it and it's just been a fun community to be a part of. So, yeah, and it's kind of cool to have a, a wider reach. Like when you're yeah. podcasting, somehow like your podcasts end up being listened in All random corners of the world that you would never expect. Right. So true. Very true. It's been fun. So, yeah. Good. Well, we're super excited to have you on. Um, something that we like to do is called Pobody's Nerfect, and that's like our little funny, fail, or embarrassing moment segment. Um, do you guys have one? Because I'll go first if you have one. We have one. But okay. We can go, you can go first. I'll go first. Can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So excited. this one comes from my doctor's appointment today. So because of the whole coronavirus thing going on, um, our hospital has like a different check-in system. So like you go through this drive-through of tents and this is they a like, pregnancy checkup, by the way. Yeah, she didn't sorry. Say that. Yeah. yeah. It, it was oh, just okay. a random, like just normal pregnancy checkup. And so I was going through random this, normal pregnancy well, no. checkup. <laughs> routine is what <laughs> I was looking for. Kind of like mutually <laughs> exclusive. Routine was the word that I was looking for. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. Um, but we, I was going through this little drive-through of tents where they were like doing screenings and stuff. And the lady, because it was a hospital, like they don't know that you're there for an OB appointment or something. And so they were like, Hey, like what department are you here for? And my mind blanked. <laughs> and it was like pregnancy brain <laughs> to the max. Like I've never felt it before. I was like, why am I at the hospital? <laughs> what am I doing here? What did you tell her? I seriously, I was like, um, uh, and I just like sat there with ums and in my brain, I was like, baby, babies, baby doctor. No, not a baby doctor. Like, what is that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, but suddenly I just like shouted, I'm pregnant. <laughs> the girl like, looked at me. Not, not like, because you couldn't possibly come to the hospital for any other reason right. while you're pregnant. Yeah. Like it would only be. <laughs> so the girl looked at me and she was like, so the OB, you need an OB appointment? I was like, yes, sorry. I was like a baseball right there. I was like, uh, yes, an OB, that's the word I'm looking for. But it's like, that wasn't, this is not the first time I've been pregnant. This is not my appointment. So I was just kind of embarrassed by that. That's so Brain funny. fart. That's awesome. She starts pulling out pamphlets for the memory care yeah. ward. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you need to know about Alzheimer's. And then- that pregnancy yeah. brain is a real thing though yeah really so. i had yeah i had never experienced it like that i was like uh <laughs> what am i even doing she does be- become markedly or market markedly is that a word i don't know market mm, significantly she does become significantly <laughs> more forgetful when she's pregnant yeah but i haven't heard you didn't was, tell me that, that i'm kind of glad you didn't tell me that so you could hear it for the yeah first well time i purposely here. didn't tell you that so. that was funny <laughs> oh that's great that's funny. all right well, so I got to tell ours. Okay. Um, oh, I was thinking I should tell it. No, I got to tell it because I'll tell it better. <laughs> I'll tell it better. <laughs> so. I like we, this is a familiar conversation that we have all the time. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. He wanted to tell our first date story, but we I said no because he tells that one too much. So we thought of another one. I think this one might be That was funnier. more awkward than embarrassing. 
And this one's not embarrassing for me, just Krista. So okay, good. Um, we were studying together. We were up at uh, we were in her apartment. She was on her bed, and I was on the floor, and we're just reading textbooks and writing, and uh, and all of a sudden she passes gas. This is <laughs> really loud. This is when we were, we were dating. We weren't married yet. Um, I don't even know if we were engaged. But um, so she passes gas, and right afterwards she says, "Quote." I know what you think that was, but it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and maybe the embarrassing part is that I believed her because I'm like, why, why would someone lie about that? That yeah. seems like a really weird thing to lie about. But why so would lie? I think I just said like, oh, oh, okay. And then it was probably, I don't know, two or three minutes later that she goes, okay, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love okay. those like. So we bottles. it's an it's an ongoing joke that she was, and of the two of us, she is the more um, crude. Is the my grandma would use like she's the one that tells makes the potty jokes with our kids, and I'm the oh, one yeah. who has to like tone it down. So I thought you were oh, yeah. saying the more gassy one or something. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was expecting as well. <laughs> Emily is also more into potty humor than I am. Oh, I love it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I like I feel like I appreciate a good potty humor joke. Oh no, I will roll on the floor laughing. It's like crying. Emily's bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Like her primary form of humor is potty jokes. Yeah. <laughs> then you make a good mother because you'll make your kids laugh a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. So I know that we're all experiencing a ton of different changes right now, um, including in the way we worship uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, I don't know what the current state of affairs is going to be when this is released, but as of right now, uh, most churches across the country are canceling their services. I know our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, has canceled their services throughout the whole world um, and canceled other gatherings outside of our, our primary Sunday services. Right. And we've heard that lots of states are like making, making it so that you can't more than 10 people can't meet together. And so, yeah, it makes, it's making worship outside the home nearly impossible. Yeah. Like organized worship. And so because of that, uh, we have an even greater responsibility as I mean, as individuals, especially as parents, to make our homes centers of gospel learning. And so in order to kind of address that, we brought our friends on from the uh, Scripture Study Project to kind of help talk to us about that, how they do that, what their studies look like, how they do it with their kids, and all those kind of fun questions. Yeah, I love that you guys brought brought that up. Um, it really does make it a greater responsibility and a greater importance too. I mean, this is kind of, it's up to us to give them, you know, to give them the scriptures, teach them about God and do those things. And of course we're grateful for technology today that gives us so much connection, but, Mm -hmm. but the real meat of what's happening really is that home centered feeling. Um, So I love the, the, Oh, what's the, I love the application of that, that that's so real for so many of us today, right now. Yeah. yeah, And it's been really cool as, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, for several years now, we've been experiencing a push uh, to have more home-centered gospel learning 
anyway. I mean, we've, we've been, we've continued to have Sunday services and everything, but there's been a huge emphasis on, on gospel learning in the home. And I mean, what a blessing that we've seen in our family, uh, because of that, that like once things change, like once we have this, like they disbanded Sunday meetings or they canceled Sunday meetings, uh, like I didn't, I wasn't worried about our family getting enough spiritual food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost feel like it's like a time to prove ourselves to God that like, hey, we can do this. Like we we can do this at home learning. We can learn on our own. Like we we've got this. If that makes sense. Well, and I I think too it it returns us a bit to I want to say to our roots, but. You know, frontier America, religion was primarily in the home. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of places, they didn't have formalized churches or worship services. They'd have gatherings of sorts. But, but um, if you ask, if you would ask anyone, eighteen hundreds America, um, the center of worship, the center of scripture study, the center of prayer was was in the home. And over the years, we've kind of institutionalized church and organized it, which is wonderful. It allows us to gather with other people, different thoughts and beliefs and opinions and worship together and and build a community of faith and strength. But I think one of the downsides of that is that sometimes that that initial seed of faith that was nurtured in the home um, is separated from its roots. And uh, I think part of part of what it, what um, Oh, causes people dissatisfaction with organized religion these days is that is that they feel like it's disconnected from their personal everyday lives. It's too institutionalized. It's too formal. It's too um, too building centric. Mm-hmm. And so um, I love this topic, and I love the focus that you guys have here because I think there's just a great opportunity for us during this time when those options aren't on the table. Um, to recenter ourselves and to connect with where I think God probably intends us to learn and live the gospel the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. And if you look at the Old Testament and the way that God originally spoke to his children, um, like for several thousand years, his, like the church was the family, right? Yeah. Like, you, like it was individual families and parents kind of presiding over their children and the and the parents oversaw the gospel instruction of their children and that was the church like there was no organization outside of that i mean there's like there was some kind of organization but like it's not documented in scripture and so we see that in scripture the emphasis at least in the first couple thousand years of recorded religion um that we see in the old testament was on the family. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, well, and even in the new Testament too, after, after uh, Jesus's ascension and, and the, during the apostolic church, um, it was the large majority of worship took place in, in what they called home churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even there, that's where church was, that's where people gathered. And even if it wasn't just your immediate family, they gathered others around them, other believers, but, but it was all based in the home. Mm-hmm. So I think for myself, at least, I've been romanticizing this at-home gospel learning, thinking that, like, I'm going to have these great lessons and my kids are going to listen and participate. Um, but it's not the case with toddlers. 
especially <laughs> young ones that have no clue what's going on and can't even communicate. So um, I wanted to ask you guys, you have four kids um, and you said ages three to nine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. How is at-home learning with at-home gospel learning with your family realistically? And what are your goals for it? Um, our goal is to be smiling at the end of it (laughs) 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 and not crying or yelling. Right. Yeah. We were having a conversation with some friends who kind of had a a worship service, you know, on Sunday with their small family, um, young kids. And he was saying, Oh, it was, it was bad. It was hard. They were doing this and they were doing this. And we Mm -hmm. had explained that, Oh, ours was really good. We had a fun experience. And after hearing his, we're like, Oh, I think we just have a lot lower expectations than you do. <laughs> Maybe that's why ours felt good. <laughs> um, so I certainly think that that is actually a really important part is to have realistic expectations um, for you and your kids. Because um, I think that sometimes we do over romanticize where we get a lot of activities and games and things to color and things to do. Um and I think that, that that can be so good and so important, but it can also be overwhelming for a parent when we get too many things built up to what it needs to look like and be. Um, so I think, honestly, one of the, I mean, we can answer this more specifically, but generally speaking, um, we just make the scriptures a piece of it. Even if it's like, I remember when our kids were small, it was, let's read this one verse and ask you one question about it. Like even when I remember when our oldest was small, probably even three, we were asking him questions about it. And we really wanted it to be this open discussion when we opened the scriptures so that they knew that it was a place of um, discussion for our family was going to be over the scriptures. Um, And of course, that's changed and evolved so much over the time, but... Well, we just wanted them to have, I think, one of our goals, um, especially with younger kids, and our kids are getting a little bit older now, and so this is shifting, but especially with younger kids, um, we wanted to have, we, we had an emotional goal. Um, I'm only half joking when I say that we wanted to end with smiles and not tears or, or anger because um, neither of our families grew up, neither of us grew up really reading scriptures in the home. Um but so many of my friends, their families did, and they talked about how frustrating it was. You know, dad would wake them up at five o'clock in the morning and no one liked it. And not that in any way that that's bad because they would almost always finish that sentence with, but I was so grateful for it because I saw how important it was to my parents and it became important to me. And so that was wonderful. But as we were talking about it, we thought, you know, what if we could approach home worship, home scripture study, home gospel study in a way that didn't focus so much on what our kids heard or learned and focused more on what they felt. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, for younger kids, it was, it was one verse and one question. um, And we wanted there to be this openness and this freedom. And we wanted to end the night with, um, with smiles, with them saying, that was really fun. I like that. Or I like when we do this. Um, knowing that when they're older, they'll have more time to go back to the word and, and learn some of the more intricate details and learn the ins and outs of the story and, um, and find some things on their own that they want to treasure in their minds. But we just wanted to give them place in their heart that, that it could happen first. And so I think that was kind of our, that's been kind of our, 
our goal. Yeah. And I guess on, a I, more- I think that totally changes like the way that it's, I really love that. I think it's different than the way I was originally thinking about, or we've been thinking about scripture study with our kids. Mm-hmm. Cause we have a three and a half year old and an 18 month year old. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, that I can see myself being much happier with that approach mm-hmm. than with like the approach of like, we have to like, try and get through For a certain sure. amount. Yeah. Sorry, Christina, I cut you off. Or Chris, no, Christina, oh, Christina. No, sorry. <laughs> no, that I love that. I, I think a more practical of what we actually do. Um, just a couple examples. I remember, I think it was a couple years ago that we went through a book of scripture, the book of Mormon, and we read every chapter with our kids, but we Mm -hmm. would choose a highlight verse. So we would kind of explain to them what was going on in the story. And then we would read a verse from or verse or two or three, um, and then talk about it. And that's kind of how we made our way through the book of Mormon that year. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. I like that. This year, I don't know, you have... I was just going to say, yeah, this year we, we we read the New Testament as a family and we did something similar, um, but we let the kids pick the part of the story that they wanted to tell. And it's really easy in the New Testament, right? So we would kind of preview the week for them and say, all right, here's all the stories that are coming up this week in our reading of the New Testament. Hey, everyone pick a story that you like. And uh, they all got to pick oh, a miracle or a teaching or something. And then, or do you want to tell about Mary or baby Jesus right. or, and each of them would take a night and we would even do that with our, th- our two-year-old at the time. And we'd have her like show a picture. <laughs> this is baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that was our scripture study for that night. That's so um, cool. But I, I just feel like there's been some sweet experiences and certainly we don't have a, a perfect, yeah, like no. <laughs> we get the whole like kids running around and doing that, but I just, and it's not perfect every night either. Um, yeah. We love, you know, little watching little kids Bible videos. You know, we, we, we change it up a lot to yeah. doing That's different funny. things each night. And occasionally we'll do an extra activity that I see and think, oh, this would be perfect. We should do this. But um, simple and happy, I think. Those are the two outcomes. Yeah, yeah that's, that would Simple be a good way to explain the goal, I guess. Yeah, I really, really love what you were saying about focusing on how the kids feel. Because I think that when we have high expectations that aren't met, or even low expectations that aren't met, <laughs> um, they can sense our frustration. And so they are leaving frustrated too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I can, I can feel that. We had some friends... This is maybe a slight tangent, but the idea kind of came from them. We had some friends that wanted their kids to go to a specific college um, because at college it had high admission standards. You had to have good grades and good test scores to get in. And they really wanted their kids to at least apply for and qualify for this college so that if they, even if they chose to go somewhere else, they could go anymore, anywhere else. Um, and so they wanted to make it an emotional, they wanted to create an emotional connection to this college. And so they would take their kids um, on individual dates to like football games or basketball games. And afterwards they take them out to get hamburgers and ice cream. And- well, I think they specifically said it was the one time at this, on these dates to this college or to the football games, the one time that their kids mm-hmm. got a happy meal from McDonald's, mm-hmm. which wouldn't work for my kids. Cause my kids have happy meals more often than that, but <laughs> you get the idea. But that was the first time we, I think they were the ones that, that kind of turned us on to the idea of not just focusing on what your kids learn or think, but focusing on what they feel and how they're emotionally experiencing the world around them. And so I, I, we've come to really love this principle and it applies to more than just gospel study. It's um, family time, you know, trying to create family moments. Um, Sabbath day, that's one of the guiding things that we 
try and use for the Sabbath day is that we really want our kids to have an emotional joy about the Sabbath day, not focus on the things that they shouldn't be doing, but focus on the things that they really get to do and that they're excited about. And, and, and it's really been beneficial to our family. I mean, it, it's never perfect and there are plenty of, of uh, bad, sad, angry emotions that come with it. But, but man, when it, when it works, you know, when you have that night when all the kids are just really interested in the story and they, they're feeling excited about it and they're laughing with each other and smiling, uh, there's, there's really no better feeling in the world. That's awesome. And I, I, yeah. I kind of want to dial in on that last thing you said, how like there's no better feeling in the world. And I, I think we have all recognized in our homes, hopefully at some point we've recognized in our homes when we've achieved something special, when we have something holy, where our, our home becomes a holy place. Um, and I kind of want to highlight how you, how you think or how you've seen scripture study play a role in that and making your home a holy place. Because I think there's there's so many places in our world today that aren't holy, um, and our kids gain so much from their time at home, and it kind of serves as like their base. Like you talked about, like you're uh, helping them develop these emotional connections and and learn things that are going to shape how they live the rest of their lives. So how can scripture study make our homes a holy place? Well, I think. Um, the first one that I think of is for me personally, I've come to really view my personal time in the scriptures as just time with God. I'm inviting God into my life. I'm opening up the pages or I'm praying. I'm having this personal devotion time to really invite God into my life and my heart and my mind. And, um, for me, the scriptures are kind of that signal that I'm showing God. Like I'm opening these these pages right now so that I can know what you want me to do today so that I can be on your errand and like be in tune with what the spirit is going to tell me to do today. And so I think that I really try and hope to approach the scriptures for my kids in that same way, that we are opening the scriptures to invite God into our lives and to create relationships with him and to see him in our lives as we, as we're playing, as we're with our siblings, as we're, um, you know, whatever we're doing, that we're reading these stories of these people that had experiences with God so that we can make those experiences too. Yeah. So I like that first part, you know, the, the first step in making our homes a holy place is, is doing it for ourselves. Doing it for ourselves. Yeah. It's like, as we do that, um, in our own lives, we make our own lives a holy place. It makes it easier for us to kind of extend that out. Yeah. So I think that that's what it is for me. So creating that holy space where we're saying we're coming together to read the scripture tonight, um, because we want to learn about Jesus Christ. We want to learn about who he is and, um, have this devotion time together. And so scripture study to me is an integral part of that, making a holy place for our family because it teaches us about other people's experiences with God and the history of who God is. And also that we're just opening up to invite, uh, invite him into our lives to say like, help us be a closer family, help us be together. And I think that's just, I guess that's kind of the message that I hope to 
to create for them that the scriptures aren't this necessity that like, no, you're going to read your scriptures today because I'm going to make you and we have to do this as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather that we're just, we're coming to them because we, we want God to be a part of our life. And that's how our home is going to be holy is with him. There's a, there's a, a, a great insight that comes from the word, the Hebrew root of the word holy in the old Testament is Kodesh which means apartness or separated. And you think of how often, in fact, always, it's hard to think of a time when, when not, when, um, when prophets or God himself speaks of holiness, there's often something he invites people to do that separates that time or that space from everything else that's going on. You know, think of a really obvious example, of course, is Moses. He calls Moses up the mountain to talk to him. Now, of course, God is all-powerful. He can appear anywhere, talk anywhere, and be anywhere. And so this isn't so that Moses can be close to God, because God is everywhere. But it might be so that Moses can be in a place that's separated and apart from everything else that's going on. And I've come to love the definition of holiness, that Something that is holy is something that is set apart or set aside for a sacred or a godly purpose. And so, to so think how about, do you? Oops, oh, go ahead. How do you? How do you build that understanding in your children's minds? Like, how do you get them to go from thinking, "Oh, this is just oh, reading our scriptures; we have to do yeah. it," to yeah. like, "I am being like I'm setting this time apart for the Lord," or like, "I'm being set apart." And not saying that like your three-year-old has to have that doctrinal <laughs> understanding. She but, does not. Right. But like having the, uh, in effect, having them kind of realize that. Um, I was going to, I was going to share this earlier or later sometime, but the, the thought comes to me now, you know, I was reading, um, I was reading in scripture how often the Lord uses um, a tree to symbolize Israel or his people. You know, uh, Isaiah chapter 5, it's a really prevalent image that he uses there that um, the Lord's people are this tree that he's nourishing or that he's taking care of. And it mentions in there that when the Lord's taking care of his tree, he prunes it and he nourishes it. That means he takes some things off of the tree that are hurting the tree Um and even sometimes taking things that aren't hurting the tree. You know, if I, we've got trees in our yard and they're growing like crazy and pruning isn't always just cutting off the bad branches. It's sometimes cutting off the good branches so that the remaining branches get all of the strength and grow. And the nourishing, of course, is adding things to the tree, to the soil or whatever to make it grow. And I think creating a holy place with scripture um, is this kind of pruning and nourishing work um, for us. It's, and it's a wrestle, of course, but it's helping our kids understand that in our home, because it's a holy place, because we want it to be a holy place, there are certain things that we just don't do or certain ways that we don't behave. You know, one of our wrestles with our kids is always, and it's, we're never very successful at it, is just trying to get them to talk a little bit quieter in home um, and to be a little bit calmer. Now, we're a very active family, and so we love doing active things and they love doing active things. And so it's difficult, but we're trying to create that sense that no, when we're in this, when we're in our home, it, it should feel a little bit different than it does at the school or than it does at the park. Mm-hmm. Um, scriptures is that nourishing. It helps us to add something to the home that they're not going to get anywhere else at school or at the park. Um, it allows us that time, like Krista said, to let God talk to our family. The questions that we ask our kids when we 
do scripture study, we try and make them really relevant to what they're currently going through. So it's not a question about, you know, why do you think Abraham did this? Or why did Isaac do this? It's what do you think we can learn from this story of Abraham and Isaac about how we should respond to God when he talks to us? And how could that help you in dealing with your teacher right now, bud, that you're really bugged with? Or how could that help you in dealing with each other's siblings? And and it invites them to hear from God, which adds this nourishment to their life that I think, I hope, I pray, uh, <laughs> makes makes our home a holy place. I really like that. In some ways, uh, when we think about making our homes a holy place, um, I might traditionally think of scripture study or like singing hymns or those kind of things as being like the primary tools for making your home a, mm. a, uh, a holy place. But based off what you're saying, it sounds like scripture study is just one of the extra little, like not maybe not a little thing, but it's one of the things that you do. You know, mm. it's like, taking care of a tree or taking care of a garden is a lot more than just watering it or a lot more than just pruning it uh, or like a lot more than putting fertilizer down. Yeah. Scripture studies, one of those things, but it, it's, it can't be the only thing that you're doing. And as it's part of like a bigger picture, like a bigger plan, that's when like you really start to see the, the positive effects of scripture study. <laughs> And if you know the reason behind it, and if your kids know the reason behind it, again, if it's we're reading scriptures because we have to, that's not a really motivating reason. And so that's not going to nourish them, even though you might be reading the scriptures, it may not nourish them as much. Mm -hmm. If it's, hey, we're reading the scriptures because right now, guys, we're really, we're all scared about the coronavirus. And so let's read what God would say to us in the scriptures and let's read a little bit and then let's talk about what we're thinking and what we're feeling. If they understand that the purpose of scriptures isn't, to read scriptures. The purpose of scriptures is to hear the voice of God. And uh, once they can key into that, then I think, well, it's been our experience that the, the scriptures come alive for them and come alive for us as a family. And I, I think that helps, like going back to what I started with, is that like personal study for the parents or the mm -hmm. teacher is, I just think that's so crucial because Zach mentioned that like we both didn't really grow up with, I mean, we, we had church education. We, you know, we would go to church and learn a little bit, but I felt really scripture inept when I um, started actually actively studying the scriptures. And um, so for us, I feel like, and Zach was the same way. We kind of came to the scriptures later on in life. So maybe that's why we're so like excited about them. Um, <laughs> but I think that when we're having experiences in the scriptures that we're excited about and that really nourish us, then we're excited to talk to our kids about it. Um, when I have experiences with a scripture that I'm like, this needs to be our family scripture that I'm going to put up on the wall in the kitchen and we're going to recite at breakfast. Like uh, I'll do random things like that. Sometimes I know other people have better systems. I'm haven't been super consistent and things like that, but there's things like that, that I think just like, this is why I'm passionate about it. And what do you guys think about this? Or, you know, I, I, I think when we're showing passion and happiness about it, they can feel that too. It's a more genuine place to come from as the parent or the teacher. Yeah, I really love that, making sure that they know that we love the scriptures and that we're enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, and I think we had planned on talking about some other things, but I am I would really like to kind of just dive in more on this topic, if you're right with that, hon. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. On like engendering a love of scriptures or maybe like 
helping apply the scriptures to the lives of our kids. Does that sound all right, hon? Sure. All right. Um, so, uh, so can you give us some experiences maybe where you are struggling applying scriptures to your kids and either the Lord pointed out something that made it really easy or you just maybe just continue to struggle can you, as I know, a lot of our listeners are probably in that boat where they feel like, hey, I didn't study this at all growing up, and maybe I didn't serve a mission, or I didn't have a good experience with church education, but I'm trying to engender the same love in my kids, and I just have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the boat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One thought for me that's been helpful is... Um, what Krista said, I think, is really powerful, but I think it's also helpful to know what the, what that is, what that doesn't mean. I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they feel like they have to know the scriptures, right? I have to know the story, or I have to know the details of it before I can teach my kids. And we have this kind of false sense of teaching, I think, anyway, uh, maybe as, as Americans or Westerners or whatever, that in order to be an effective teacher, I have to know it all first so that I can help someone come to know what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been said by many people in many different ways. One of the best ways I've heard it phrased is um, teaching isn't so much the filling of a bucket as it is the lighting of a fire. And so what I love about what Krista says, and this is one of her big motives all the time in our scripture study, is um, it's not that you have to know everything about the scripture story that you're teaching or that you want to teach, but you just have to have that fire and that passion that the scriptures really are God talking to us. If it's just an old dusty book that we read because we have to, then it doesn't work. But if I can approach my kids and say, guys, I don't, we're going to read, you know, let's say we're reading the Old Testament as a family. We're going to read some stories in the Old Testament that I probably never even read. But um, I know that God can talk to us. And then what I find really helpful is if we can just take a little bit of time, and I think this is really helpful before prayer as well, but before scripture study, if we can take a little bit of time and just talk about what's going on in our lives right now, you know, maybe each kid gets a couple of minutes to just talk about, here's what's stressing me out. Here's what I'm worried about. And then if we approach the word of God with faith and say, okay, as we're reading tonight, let's everybody look for some things that God would say to us that he wants us to learn or feel or do and listen for yourself and listen for your family members. And, um, and then as you're reading at the end of that, the question's really easy to just say, okay, what do you think God would say to us? And, um, it's, it's very low pressure. Um, a lot of our questions with our kids are very low pressure and they're not based necessarily because we know everything that's happening in the block, but, we're acting in faith that there is something that God can say to us as we study it together as a family. Mm-hmm. I love that it's so focused on discussion and conversation. And on individual needs. And needs, yeah. yeah. And it's not just that you're sitting down and reading the scriptures like, hey, good, we check the box, but you're like really, you're applying it. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And it's yeah. even more than just looking for, hey, what are the doctrines that we can find from this? I mean, like we, are, we always teach doctrine and whatnot, but... It's about application first. Like what? Yeah. Why is doctrine so important if we never apply it? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, you know, what, like we said, we studied through the New Testament last year in our podcast. And Zach is a religion teacher, and he's much more well-versed in the history of Jerusalem. I am not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> and I love the scriptures, but I am not, I do not consider myself a scriptorian. You would think that I probably should be because I have a podcast called The Scripture Study Project. But um, one of the things, I think another reason, as we talked about starting this podcast, was just the importance of people realizing that God created scriptures for everyone. He did not create scriptures for only the people that knew all about the history of all of the world before Jesus came to the earth. Um, He really believes, I mean, it's kind of, we're kind of going backwards if you think about like the beauty of, I mean, we talk about the miracle of, of Gutenberg press, that the scriptures were made available to everyone and the common man could read it. And here we are today feeling so overwhelmed when we don't, when we have to read a scripture because we don't know all the characters or we don't know what the backstory is or who these people are. When you say like, no, God is just wanting you to open the scriptures just to speak to you in your life. Um, He doesn't expect us. He expects us to come um, for questions to him. And so Mm -hmm. can't we just as part of that discussion, as we're reading with our kids, let's show them that they can have real life questions and come to the scriptures with those questions and get answers. Cause that's what we've experienced. I think that's why that's part of what we want to teach our kids is like, no, come with your real questions to the scriptures and to prayer because God wants to know about you. He wants to know you and he's going to give you answers, but we're going to open scriptures and pray to get those answers. So, uh, I love everything you've said, and I'm trying to think, how do I apply this with our children? And I think they're just young. Yeah, and that was my question. Is yeah. At what age do yeah. you start when seeing these things this? working? Because <laughs> I'm like thinking of having, you know, I my three-and-a-half-year-old is not really at a point where he's engaging in a lot of these kind of conversations. But I'm so excited for the day when we yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if if we get to the end of scripture study and he got like, Jesus loves me. Like, I'm like, you know what? That's good. That's we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. totally. Well, and again, to me, part of that goes back to the focusing on, on the heart, not just the head because Mm -hmm. our, our our daughter's the same way. She's three and a half and that girl don't get nothing out of scripture study (laughs) intellectually. Right. (laughs) But she is feeling that this is a time that we all get together as a family. We love each other. We smile and we enjoy doing something. Mm-hmm. And if that's all she gets out of it is this general warm feeling that we, when we open this book and she, that there's a loving feeling in the room, I'm fine with that. And then when she's four or five, then maybe she starts to be able to listen a little bit better and answer some questions. And when she's six or seven, maybe she can start to explain some of the stories on her own. And um, one of our, kind of guiding principles we've always had um, that we picked up before we ever had kids was um, one of our favorite Christian speakers that just talked about that it doesn't go amiss when you read scriptures, even by the cradle side, that Mm -hmm. God honors that act and can bless that home and that child with a feeling of his love, even if they're just an infant. And that sounds almost ridiculous, but it's been so true for us that if we can just make scripture study this really simple, loving, and beautiful part of our home, 
right. as kids come into that environment, that's just what we do. This is this is what we do as a family. This is the way that it feels. And uh, and hopefully that helps them as they go throughout their life. If they hit moments where scripture study is feeling onerous or, or tiresome, that they'll go, wait, this isn't how it's supposed to feel. I know because it didn't feel this way when we did it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, and it's it's interesting because our youngest is. It feels like we don't have like I'm like we oh I guess our family is kind of getting old because I still feel like we have little kids, but our youngest is the age of your oldest, and so right. certainly our scripture study has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. But I think that consistent thing is so now our three year old as the youngest, you know, will go around and everyone will raise their hands because they want to be the one to answer because our kids are still <laughs> at that age where they raise their hand yeah. and want to mm-hmm. be participating. Um, but that three-year-old raises her hand and the answer to everything is Jesus. Like, or Rapunzel. Oh, or Rapunzel. Yes. Rapunzel. <laughs> so she'll, so she'll want to participate because that's what we do is we talk and we, and we share our feelings and that's that. meaningful for us. Like we want them to, to say things. And, and certainly I think we have pretty low expectations. So I want this to be clear that it might sound like we haven't figured out in a lot of ways, but we really just believe that if we're talking about scriptures in our home, then hopefully they know that that's a place they can turn and that it gives when they have questions and that it gives them good feelings. I yeah. think that, you know, maybe well, the, the crux of what we're going for. What a comforting piece of advice in a, in a world that is so focused on perfection and on like Instagram, perfect experiences mm-hmm. left and right. Like, have low expectations. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really love that because the higher your expectations, the more likely you're not going to meet them. And then the more frustrated you're going to be. And, and I think the less frustrated are, all the time. Yeah. The less likely you are as a parent to, to turn to your, to turn, yeah, to make it a not fun experience. And even I, like, ah, I'm not doing this again. Or yeah. for yourself to just say, I'm getting sick and frustrated of the, that I have to study with my kids. Like, let's not make it a have to, let's try and make it a, a, we get to, because we, we love God to be a part of our home and our family. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you guys so much for sharing all of your wisdom. We really appreciated it. Honey, what is, what are your top two takeaways? Um, well, I think I said one of them, the, um, Emily has a Charlie horse right now and she's making oh a great gosh. face. Oh, you guys are suffering through the, the worst right now. Ear infection and the Charlie horse. Those are the worst. Okay. Okay. No, I don't think we're going to edit that out. I think we're going to leave that. I think yeah. that's funny. <laughs> um, so uh, my first takeaway is one that we already said or I just said the having low expectations and I say low mm-hmm. expectations kind of tongue in cheek. I think a better way to say that might be to say like realistic expectations yeah. or mm-hmm. uh, we say rooted like yeah. root expectations that are rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And so like we're rooted in the situation we're in. So like we shouldn't be setting expectations that are just like based off of Instagram worthiness. Um, <laughs> We need to be setting expectations based off of our current situation. So I think that's the yeah. first one. Yeah. Um, Emily, why don't you say yours? Because I have another one, but I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Okay. So my my two – should I share my two? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So my first one is to focus on feelings. Um, I just – I really want my kids to love the scriptures and 
see my love for them and see my love and enthusiasm for the scriptures and for personal um, gospel development. And then my second one, I guess there's no like first or second here. It's just, they're both great. But um, the next one, I guess, is to make sure that I'm having my own quality, meaningful scripture study so that I can carry that into our daily living and our family scripture studies. So, um, so my other one, my other takeaway was uh, making the focus on like the needs of the kids as opposed to like doctrine. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I love like, getting into scriptures and looking at like the historical significance, or, like the doctrinal significance. Um, and sometimes when I, study with other people i want to kind of convey that um and i really want to do better about focusing on the application like the direct application to their immediate needs and not so much on like the the doctrine per se i mean it's all it's still doctrine but like the doctrine as pertains to Hiram, as opposed to the doctrine, mm-hmm. as doctrine in and of itself, mm-hmm. because doctrine yeah. in and of itself doesn't save anybody. It's only when it's applied to people does doctrine really get have meaning. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Good takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah, said it better than we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I synthesize. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you guys so much. Where, if our listeners are, you know, like are, have been as impressed with you as we have been, and they want to continue listening to uh, to your podcast, where can they find your podcast? Um, yeah, we're anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search for the Scripture Study Project. And you can find us on Instagram. We, we share things there and um, additional insights into what we share in the podcast um, at, at Scripture Study Project. Right. Oh, we also have uh, a website too, scripturestudyproject.com. So. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. I really enjoyed listening to the episodes that I've listened to from your podcast. I really appreciate how, um, I don't know how to say this right, but like the one that I really loved, I don't even remember which one it was, but it, you guys talked about how there's so much deep doctrine in Isaiah's words and how we kind of, we get frustrated because we feel like we have to understand it, but really like the deep doctrine of it, like, or what Isaiah is trying to say, if you can't understand it, like it's okay, just get mm-hmm. like the feelings from it or get I don't know. Can you maybe paraphrase what I just said into better? <laughs> because I loved it so much and I think it's really needed. So if, yeah, if you remember what you said or something, well, that was beautiful, but that's really on the yeah, spot. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something that's true about Isaiah. That's also true about every single prophet that has ever written. Right. Yeah. Um, their focus was to persuade people to come to God, to be reconciled to God. Um, Isaiah does that with a lot of symbolism and a lot of imagery that's kind of specific to his people and his time. Um, And so there is a great study to be had in learning about what's going on uh, geographically and historically during Isaiah's period of writing. And it does unlock some things in the scriptures. But remember that Isaiah's number one purpose was just to persuade people to love God and to, and to believe in him. Mm-hmm. And so if you do nothing else as you're studying Isaiah or any other book of scripture, 
if you do nothing else besides just look for truths that make you love God more, you would have the most fulfilling scripture study because you'd be directly in tune with why the authors wrote the scriptures. Sometimes we get really focused on the tangents of that. What did they say about this situation and what did they prophesy about this situation? Mm -hmm. But if we get too far out on those branches and disconnected from the vine, the Savior says, then we lose the power of the study. That is so, so perfectly said. So thank you very much for clarifying <laughs> my mumbo jumbo. Yeah, for paraphrasing, <laughs> Emily's paraphrasing of your, yeah. of your podcast. My <laughs> words made no sense. But thank you so much for sharing and clarifying that because I love yeah. that message. And I think that scripture study can be difficult and the scriptures are not always easy to understand. So yeah. as long as we're keeping that uh, motive of always just seeking to come into Christ, then... Yeah. We should be good. And I think in closing, and we probably need to end because we're, we're going a little bit over time. You just made planning. new friends. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I just want to bear my personal witness um, of the fact that as we get closer to our Savior's second coming, the scriptures are going to be a place of solace for us, and they're going to be become a place that we need to be in often. If we are going to have the the faith and the joy and the strength that we're going to need to be able to make it through these scary times. And I think this example, this situation right now with the coronavirus, we don't know if like how this fits into the grand scheme of the second coming of the Savior. But I, I think it, it is a good reminder to us all of the types of feelings that we are going to be feeling as we get closer to our Lord's second coming, that it's going to be scary. And we we can't just we can't coast into the second coming on platitudes and on like nice little sayings like we really need to have a comfortable home in the scriptures yeah and i think they'll they'll be the key or one of the keys to help us recognizing the savior when he comes to being familiar with what he taught and and the prophets who taught about him yeah and the spirit that we feel. He's like, as you read the scriptures, you feel yeah. the spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when we finally see Christ again, we're going to know him because of that feeling. Like, it's going to be familiar. familiar. Yeah. Yep. So, so Right awesome. on. All right. Well, if you have enjoyed what you've been hearing today, uh, make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the Scripture Study Project. And um, check them out on Instagram too. And then us also, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, go ahead and do that. And leave us a rating and review and reach out to us on Instagram. All right. Yeah. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. Keep the faith. Bye.